I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, a woman named Kim Fook Phan Thai published an essay in the New York Times. I had never heard of Ms. Phan Thai before, and my guess is you haven't either. You would recognize her, though, or at least you would recognize her picture. You see, for 50 years now, Kim Phuc Phan Thai has been known round the world as Napalm Girl. Napalm Girl. This is because in June of 1972, after being severely injured in a chemical attack while playing outside with her cousins, Phan Thai became the subject of surely the Vietnam War's most famous and poignant photograph, an image of a nine-year-old girl stripped naked, running down the streets of her hometown in pain and terror. The atrocity of this act and the atrocity depicted in this photo was obviously an occasion of horrific suffering. And yet, and yet, it has not had the final word about Kim Phuc Phan Thai's life. In her recent New York Times op-ed piece titled, It's Been 50 Years, I Am Not Napalm Girl Anymore, Fontai wrote of her journey from debilitating, crushing mental and physical anguish. Her journey from debilitating mental and physical anguish to service as an international advocate for childhood trauma victims. Fontai acknowledged in her column that she would never fully get over the terrible thing that had happened to her. When asked, though, whether the tragedy kept her mired in despair, she replied, no, explaining, quote, I believe that peace, love, hope, and forgiveness will always be more powerful than any kind of weapon. Questioned about how it was that she had been able to come to this belief, she spoke mostly of her faith and of her church. We boast in our sufferings, the Apostle Paul writes to the members of the fledgling church in Rome in this morning's epistle lesson. We boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Hope does not disappoint us. 
In the midst of what is now an almost two and a half year struggle with the sort of pandemic most of us had supposed would only happen in a horror film, in the midst of social injustices, many of us mistakenly believed we had overcome as a country and as a society. In the midst of gun violence that just in the past few weeks has taken the lives of elementary school children and their teachers, senior citizens making a Saturday afternoon grocery run, and 20-somethings out for a night of bar hopping. In the midst of all this, Paul's familiar words from his letter to the Romans are especially poignant. For we have all suffered of late, both collectively and individually. We have all suffered with a depth and a breadth that many of us had surely seen before only in photographs of others. And the pain continues. The pain continues. As someone observed recently, we are trying to recover from a pandemic in the midst of a pandemic. Every day it seems there is something else difficult to face, something else that is somehow much harder to bear than the same something else back in 2019 that might have upset us but would not have caused us to break down and ask all sorts of questions of and wonder how on earth we or our world can possibly keep going. The Apostle Paul and the Roman Christians whom he addresses in this morning's epistle lesson were no strangers to this very kind of existential despair. Paul, in all of his writings, takes human suffering very seriously. He does not engage in any so-called toxic positivity. He does not try to suggest that somehow all suffering is part of God's plan. He does not pretend that grief cannot destroy a person. No, Paul does not downplay human suffering. What he does do, what he does do is to lift up hope, not as the inevitable antithesis of suffering, but rather by God's grace as the possible successor to it. Paul lifts up hope, not as the inevitable antithesis of suffering, but by God's grace as the possible successor to it. Sound crazy? Maybe. But this is the very essence of Paul's faith and indeed of our faith as Christians. That is, Paul writes a bit later in the letter to the Romans, quote, If we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. If we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Do you hear the great good news in this? Do you get it? Here, here in these words of promise, is a hope that, as theologian Marva J. John once put it, does not capitulate 
before a certain fixed future according to our own judgment or societies. Let me say that again. It's a, a little dense. Here is a hope that, quote, does not capitulate before a certain fixed future according to our own judgment or that of society. In plainer terms, here in our faith is a hope that resists all absolute pronouncements by the powers that be of our world, whether those powers that be are a brutal empire bent on oppressing the poor or chemical warfare raining down toxins onto innocent civilians or even our own broken, deflated psyches tying our stomachs up in knots in the middle of the night as we contemplate our children or our grandchildren's future. Here in our faith is a hope that manifests itself any time you or I act, even in what seems to us to be a very small and inconsequential way, any time we act on the conviction that goodness is stronger than evil, love is stronger than hate, light is stronger than darkness, Life is stronger than death. In her book, Traveling Mercies, writer Anne Lamott tells the story of how she came to be a Christian. She had not previously been a religious person, she says, not by a long shot. And she did not really intend to go to her church the first time she did. In fact, she kind of stumbled upon it, she says, while out and about trying to find a cure for her hangover. When Lamont walked through the doors of what would become her church that first day, it was clear, she said, that she was not a regular. And she did not want to be a regular, not for quite some time. Nonetheless, Nonetheless, she kept going back. It wasn't the preaching that drew her, Lamont says. It wasn't the music either. No offense to the liturgical feast we're celebrating today, but she definitely did not keep returning because of the pastor's ability to explain great theological conundrums like that of the Holy Trinity. Lamont kept going back. Not because any of this. It wasn't any of this. Rather, Lamont says, she kept going back because of stuff like this one elderly woman, a woman of incredibly modest means, who week after week brought plastic baggies filled with nickels and dimes she had collected and then slipped to Lamont whenever she walked past her pew. Now, what good, you might ask, with a few baggies worth of pocket change due for a woman like Lamont, who at the time was battling an eating disorder, joblessness, profound grief, and a drug and alcohol addiction? What good could that possibly do? Nothing, most reasonable people would say. But nonetheless, Nonetheless, this woman kept on bringing those little baggies as an expression of hope, an expression of hope in God and of hope 
in Lamont when Lamont herself had neither. Dear people of God, here at the Cathedral Parish of St. Philip, each one of us here has within us this day some proverbial baggies filled with loose change. Each one of us here this day and all of us collectively as a community have some small strength, some encouraging word, some gentle ray of light, some capacity for accepting another person's tears. Each of us has some gift that may, quite unbeknownst to us, serve as a sign of hope to another fellow struggler in this broken and troubled world. Each one of us and all of us collectively have some gift, the offering of which might actually help us so that we too, like the nine-year-old girl turned from a victim of war into an advocate for war's victims, so that we too do not get mired down in the sufferings and trials of this present time, but are instead transformed, redeemed, repurposed by them for a higher calling. The building up of the kingdom of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to whom be honor, glory, and dominion now and forever.